Excuse me. Can I quit this podcast? <laughs> <laughs> I told Eddie Murphy to stay in college so he'd have something to fall back on. <laughs> I did great advice. <laughs> Jackie, how about the lighter side of history? The lighter well, side. I got laughing at my joke. Okay. I know a lot of things and I share them on the podcast and you don't care. What are we talking about? With <laughs> I can't get a word in edgewise <laughs> on this show. I mean, it's. Here's how we sell it. Okay. So before we started uh, today's episode, uh, Peter and I were talking, and I was going to, we were talking about, well, I said nothing is definite. Everything's a little bit yes and a little bit no. And I almost said this, but I wanted to wait till cameras are rolling. This is something I read on the Bazooka Joe. <laughs> <laughs> no kidding. The little comic book, the little comic strip that came. We remember Mort. Right with the, with the red turtleneck that didn't fit. Mort, right. Mort. And, uh, and he said, you know, only fools are ever sure of themselves. And the other guy said, are you sure? And he said, I'm positive. <laughs> <laughs> which is That's so very good on a Bazooka Joe comic. It's spectacular. At which the, now a piece is $6. They were a penny when we were growing up. The little tiny. The little and, tiny and was, with the comic. And it was two. Yeah. You could cut it in half you if you wanted to. And mm -hmm. I, I don't know how much they really, are they like a quarter? How much is a, a piece of bazooka bubblegum? You know, we all turn into our parents. You know, I remember years ago <laughs> at one point I walked into a candy store and I picked up a chunky. It was like half the size and five times the price. I remember chunky, everything was like, a nickel, and but a chunky was like either ten cents or a quarter, and you were really going to the moon if you bought a chunky. <laughs> really? But they were so great. Now they're so much smaller. We're talking about weird expressions. We used to sit around my house, around my mother's kitchen table, and be a bunch of guys, sometimes some girls, drinking beer, fooling around, and reasonably intelligent conversations. And people were very smart, and you know everything was flying. And my aunt wasn't the sharpest knife in the drawer. And she was standing there one day, and we're talking, we're talking, and out of a clear blue sky, she said something, not brilliant, but kind of astute, kind of like, enough that everybody's like, whoa. She had, you, you know, salad, salad, salad tea bags? Yeah, yeah. The dunk, and then the little piece of paper at the end of the string, they had little expressions on, and she had read the little expression on the Salada tea bag. Everybody like turned and she went, oh, I just read that. <laughs> That's hysterical. That's so great. So I want to start today, we were going to discuss, uh, we, we're very random here. We're going to discuss some interactions with classic uh, either old-time comedians or just celebrities because the interaction with them are always wonderful and also bombing stories which never get old but okay. I wanted to start with a classic unbelievable missed opportunity and I hope I didn't tell you guys this already <laughs> and I'm still ashamed a girl that worked on the Stern show Anne Marie was the one that logged the show. She'd write 
Howard comes in the room. Robin says, how are you? Not that detail, but then, and then Fred plays a song, you know, just so you could, and she was a sweetheart. And after I left the show, uh, she had left the show, and I think she was working for these guys, and she called up and she said, the people from Atlanta, from Coca-Cola, and I think they were the head, head guys were coming to Atlantic <laughs> City for like either a yearly meeting or something, and she said they want to hire you to entertain. And I wish I remembered it was either $2,500 or $5,000. Either figure was very healthy for me. Send a limo to bring me to Atlantic City, put me up in a really nice hotel where they were staying, and do a show. No details, but like, who needs details? You know, $2,500, we're gonna pick you up, you show up and do a show. I show up, I go to do the show, I walk in and it's a boardroom. Uh, like a small boardroom, there's maybe five, there could have been seven, round tables with like either eight people or 10 people or two, you know, like however many people are seated at these, say, say five round tables of 10 people each. Men, women, you know, not super fancy, just, and they had dinner and they got done with dinner and I didn't know what I was getting into and I'm waiting and, and Anne-Marie says, you're on. And I walk into this room of five round tables, people sitting at them that just ate dinner, no <laughs> microphone, no stage, no nothing, just, you know, like throw, <laughs> literally throwing me to the lions. But, no, you, I, no, but you gotta do it to get paid. No idea what to do. <laughs> so I just started talking and walked around. I'm sure knowing me, I probably put my hand on somebody's shoulder and, and giggled or, you know, what about you, Charlie? I, I have no recollection. I, was, I wasn't frightened. I was just like astounded at the situation. I was, but I wasn't even that worried because it was not doable. Like, you know, who could do this, you know? So I get done and I am not exaggerating. I went back to my room <clears throat> Went in, ordered a huge steak, shrimp cocktail, French onion soup, Caesar salad. I, I probably had quit drinking by then, you know, so, you know, a couple of <laughs> seltzers and got naked for whatever reason and just sat on the bed and I was so depressed. I actually had this conversation with myself and I don't know if you've ever had it. I got to get out of show business. I have no right. Anybody with any talent at all would have been able to go into that room because I didn't get a smile, a whimper. It was almost like they were paying attention. They weren't talking and being rude, but I mean, we want to shake somebody and I got absolutely nothing. So I'm sitting there I, for an hour, totally you. freaked out of my tree. I know. Okay. 40 minutes later, at least 40 minutes. I mean, not 10 minutes later, a long while later, I'm done eating and I'm not crying, but I'm like, so down, so yeah. down, Anne-Marie calls, and I answer the phone. Jackie, this is Anne-Marie, I'm, I'm sorry it took so long to call you because they had dessert and coffee, and they all started making speeches. They loved you so much, <laughs> they're gonna pay you double, and they want <laughs> you to come down to the bar in the hotel. I'm flabbergasted, this doesn't have a happy ending. I'm flabbergasted, 
I get dressed, I go down, uh -huh. and they're like, it's, I'm their best friend, and wow, you were so great. And I'm like, what room were you in, you know? But I'm accepting, like, that's exactly how it works, you know? Yeah. And it was so spectacular. And if it was 2,500, they gave me five. If it was five, they gave me 10. But no matter what it is, a tip is a tip. Double is not that's a right. tip. A double is like, wow, we liked you. And I know they were ridiculously wealthy, the head guys from yeah. Coca-Cola from Atlanta. So she says, they really, really love you. They'd love to meet with you. I said, why don't I take them, the, the, you know, a couple of weeks later, whatever, I said, why don't I take them to lunch at the Friars Club? She said, let me ask. She said, they are over the moon. Because <clears throat> even they're the Coca-Cola executives, they don't go to the Friars. You know, that's not there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so it's, you know, wow, that'd be so great. No idea whether they just want to hang with me for a second, offer me a job, uh, introduce me to their sister. There was no preamble, just like, I'm going to take them to lunch at the Friars Club, and we made a date. A week away, three weeks away. But this, I'm recently off the show, and I am not organized. I am a mess. Uh. And there's a girl I knew, and for some reason, she's like, come on out. I go out to the middle of Jersey, and I guess I must have spent the night, and I'm driving home from, I'm like, you know, 20 minutes, half an hour from the Lincoln Tunnel or something, oh. whatever. And I had a cell phone, and the phone rings. I go, hello? And she's, Jackie, this is Anne Marie. Where are you? We're all at the Friars oh. Club. I had completely... Oh. And I'm like, you know, that... Oh, oh you... Oh, no. You, you know, I... Out of my mind, they never wanted to hear anything. You know, right. That, that, to this day, I keep saying, I got to call Anne Marie and say, do you have any idea? You know, did they curse me out? Did they? But there was like four of them, you know, main guys, because they all wanted to be there. And you think about, and you're that not might over have it. been the missed opportunity oh, of missed You have no idea. And now you work for Pepsi. And now I work for Pepsi. Because I got to tell you. I don't like Coca-Cola. Listen to this. I am married to a stand-up comedian. You know her, Peaches Rodriguez. One of our biggest fights ever. I'm booked at a hotel in the Catskills. She goes with me for the ride. They switched me out of the room I was supposed to be in. There was some confusion about the room being booked or what's it. And they moved me into the disco where people are dancing and having a blast, but they booked the comic, so they turn off the music Everybody is told to oh, sit well, down. You, I'm sorry. When you said change the room, I thought they gave they you a nice suite. And no, put no, no. They moved my, the, the, the place room where, where the, you're where performing. The, where I was performing. They moved me to the disco. And, and, and they're dancing and having a blast. And they turn it all off. And they say, here's a comic. And I go up. And, I'm, and I had to do half an hour. And they didn't. They hated me. They wanted to dance. I understand where they were coming from. I tried crowd work. I tried my material. I went back to the crowd work. I tried. I couldn't get a laugh. I couldn't get them, Jackie. And the you, longest half hour. The of longest your life. half hour of my life. And I'm, you know, the sweating and the, and the horrible feeling that you're going to have to leave show business. And I get off stage. I finish the time. I sit down next to my wife, Peaches Rodriguez, and that horrible feeling. And every comic knows it. Oh, oh. And she turns to me and she goes, you know. I think I could have got him. <laughs> and I'm like, are you kidding Talk me? Talk about 
making a bad... <laughs> the worst possible thing you could say. Oh. You, you know, but you, ju you just live for those. Oh, you do. I, I was working at Giggles in Tampa. And a guy came, a very wealthy guy that owned the Cheetah 3 in Atlanta because there was also one in Fort Lauderdale. And he came in a big limo. And he had a bunch of girls that were, you know, but they were like making out with each other. You know, he's just an old rich guy and he loved my show. And he took me out in the limo and said, come on, you know, let's drive around, blah, blah, blah. And we laughed and had fun. He says, I really want you to do the Cheetah 3 in Atlanta. So I'm driving. I said, all right, Bill, you know, like, I'll do it. Yeah, it was really decent money. And I guess Jay, whatever his name was, was taking the week off. So I leave wherever I am, I don't, it wasn't Fort Lauderdale, it was, it was Tampa. Yeah. But I came up and went to the <laughs> Cheetah 3 in Atlanta, which I think now is a, like a, a huge you know, conglomerate. But uh -huh. then it was this, a strip club, a, a decent-sized decent strip club with like kind of a stage, but with the runway going out. You know what I mean? And there's like a lot of girls, like 20 or 25 girls. And, and they, in, were, they were decent sized as well. And, right. And in Georgia, it's, it, <laughs> in Georgia, it was full nudity. So these guys would come in and sit there starting at 4 o'clock when it opens. And the way it worked is the girls would come out in like, I think they'd have underwear and bras, but bikinis and bikini tops. You know, like if you're a kid and you're about to play strip poker... You put on extra clothes, you know, or the girls did. So they'd come out, and each time a guy tipped them a dollar, they would take something off. So by X amount of time, the girls are all totally naked, and it's like 20 or 25, and it was quite a thing. But just like you, at 10 o'clock, <laughs> all the girls go into the dressing room, and here's your comedian. And I came out, and like... Angry is, I mean, like, holy mackerel. I mean, they were used to a comic, but it, they never changed it. And talk <laughs> about hearing a pin drop. Ah. Uh. And then, when you're done, the girls are all dressed again. So they come out, and the guys start with the dollars again, and the girls are taking something off, and by the time they're all naked again, <laughs> it's midnight. Bring <laughs> <laughs> So I'm out there bombing, so, and the owner sends up a note, and I read the note, because you could hear a pin drop. And he said, and the note, I should have said the note, the note said, when they're quiet, you got them. <laughs> I'm like, no, when they're quiet, that means they're not laughing. And I think I did it for four nights, and oh. it was like, but oh. it was, in retrospect, you know, you're sharing a that's, dressing room with 25 beautiful I mean, that's, girls. That's something. But gotta, it was like, you know, everything was fine except for the being out. And I'm on the end of the runway in the middle of, <laughs> you know. Oh, God. Oh, so listen to this one. I was booked at a college in New Jersey to perform in the lunchroom at 11 o'clock in the morning for the students in the student union. New Jersey Tech. Okay, might have been. And I went up at 11.30, and the place was packed with students, and I'm killing. They loved me. I was, I was young. I was hitting them hard. They were laughing. It was great. And then I'm going along, and at 10 minutes to 12, the entire room stood up and walked out. And at the time, I'm thinking, wait, wait I'm killing here. Where, 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 I'm, they're walking on me? 
And I got off and I go, what happened? I said something that I lost and what happened? I was killing and they all walked out. And they go, no, 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 calm down. Everybody had class at 12. They had to go. They weren't walking out on you. They had class at 12. And I go, oh my God. I mean, what an idiot. You I, know, I, I, we all worked that gig because the way I remember it, there was a microphonic stage. So if you moved, it rumbled. <laughs> and I'm, do you remember Jerry Allen? Jerry Allen, the he, late Jerry Allen. I was Allen. working Funny with man. Jerry Allen, and he was on stage, and he didn't get a murmur. That's a horrible thing to say because he died of a heart murmur. Yeah. But he came off stage, and as I walked up on stage, he said to me, it's gigs like this that make the tough ones worthwhile. <laughs> I will never forget that. And you're sitting there, they're eating. So the silverware is clanking. Maybe maybe you were before lunch, but I, with the clanking of the silverware and you know and on the lunchroom with the lunchroom lighting. Oh God! Uh, Jerry, people, that was a Jerry Stanley gig. Yeah. What people don't understand who book comics is you don't put them on during the food. Please, I'm they, sorry, I'm getting carried away. They here. will never. They will never understand that. You will kill the show if you put the comics on when people are eating. I don't like to do anything until they're done because if you know if they're waiting for coffee or right. the women are waiting for the des dessert, they don't even right. eat dinner. You know. Right. I did one. I I interviewed for a book for my book, and I it was with uh, St. Martin's Press. All right. And they passed on me like before I walked in the door. But the guy in the front office was like this one of the co-main guys, but he was great. And while I'm waiting for my meeting, we hit it off. We have a great time. So here it is. However many years later, uh, he calls me up and says, you remember me? It was named Jack something. Really nice guy. He says, it's my wife's 60th birthday, and I'm throwing her a surprise party, and I want to have you there. And I'm like, are you sure? And he said, oh, yeah, I'm sure. And this was maybe one of the scariest things I show up at this restaurant in Brooklyn. Um, it was an Italian restaurant that, like, but also served Jewish food. It was very odd, and it was like a, a like a U kind of U table, like with two short sides and a long side. And I was up here, and before I went on, there was a Paul McCartney imitator. He had the Hofner bass and played tapes, and he looked like Paul, and sang like Paul, it was, it was beyond absurd. And the bride's parents, the bride, the, the 60th birthday girl, her parents are over here. So I'm here, and I'm looking at all these people, every guy's in a yarmulke, they're all there, and her and her husband are there, the guy who booked me, and her parents are over here. And she has no idea about anything, and. And I get up and I start telling my dirty jokes and it, I'm getting a little bit here and there and, and they're fine. But the parents, it turns out her father was the biggest dirty joke teller in the world, but she had no idea of that. So we get done, everybody is absolutely thrilled. And I sat there for an hour telling <laughs> dirty jokes with her father. I mean, but when upon first walking out, and a room full of yarmulkes and angry people, and here's a girl who's so spooked because she can't believe, you know, number one, he's telling the whole world that she's 60 years old. But I had a happy ending. They don't all, don't all have happy endings, you know. <laughs> I opened for 
a Cher impersonator who was gorgeous and doing Cher from her most beautiful years during the Sonny and Cher show in the 70s, remember? And we're backstage. As a young hip, I always loved her. Oh. From word go. Oh. From the, from word, the go. word go. And, and, you know, she started in the 60s in L.A., of course. And, um, and we're drop-dead gorgeous. And, and, and finally, she says to me, hi, I'm, uh, I'm Michael. It's nice to meet you. <laughs> and, of course, I knew that. And, and, then, and then she actually said, uh, so what's on your mind? And I said, Michael, never mind. <laughs> I loved a terrific... Not only do you not want to know, I don't want to know. That's it. Did I, I, I got a gig opening for War. Ah, It was Eric Burden and War, but then Eric Burden was no longer, but it was War, which was basically a dozen, at least a dozen, mostly black guys, and some white guys, whatever, but... and. But they were a crazy, loud, wild, incredible band. But they had every gadget you could knock together, you know, make noise. Yeah. This is at a place called The Chance, which is a, was a, like an old vaudeville house in Poughkeepsie. And there was so many wires, and I could still see it. And I had to do two shows. And, you know, this is like a, a rock, the classic opening for a rock and roll band, yeah. which is held on any... Because the audience is there to see them, not right. you. And this is in yeah. the early days. I mean, I, I took whatever money to drive to Poughkeepsie, but I took the gig. And I'm climbing over all the wires and ropes to get to this microphone. I remember trying to find... I, you remember these things. Trying to make a place where I could stand and the mic would be all right. And I did my 20 or whatever, so minutes, 25 minutes. And I was horrible. But as I got to the end... I got an idea. I remember thinking this clearly, like, I think I know what works here and what doesn't. I, I know I'm going to get him next show <laughs> because I got the formula. I'm going to get him next show. War comes on. They're so loud, so great. The place goes nuts. I go out. I'm having a few beers because I know I got this. And as I'm sitting there having a few beers and war's done, Ladies and gentlemen, sales are light, so everybody is invited to stay for the second uh, show. <laughs> oh my God! I was—I think I just started drinking. <laughs> my God! You know, not that crap again! Oh my God! But what, so you, you had you to could, switch everything. I, I switched nothing. I'm sure I did. You know what? You did it anyway. I, I don't know what I did. I can honestly say. You know, and it wasn't like opening for war. Every time I hear the word war in the context of music, I think of an old song. I know you're going to remember it. War! <laughs> Edwin Starr, of course. Oh, He's Edwin right out of Detroit. Starr. Good oh. God, y'all. What is it good for? I, Absolutely I, I, I actually knew a guy. There was this <laughs> madman in college that was from, uh, he didn't go to Michigan State, but a lot of the guys that were in the dorm with me he came up a couple times, and he managed Edwin Starr and Mitch Ryder. Oh, wow. But Mitch Ryder, after his hits had gone away, you know, ah. rock and roll. It's so funny well, how that's, people, that's they're a classic in, they're song. out, that, they're in, That's they're a out. classic song. War! Huh. Uh, and you know, when it came out, I think like, this is the most absurd crap I've ever Jackie. heard. And now you hear it, it's 
It's spectacular. Jackie, that was my wedding song, my first wedding. <laughs> <laughs> Appropriately chosen, apparently. I swear to you, when me and Bates were playing in high school, we got hired to play a wedding, which was absurd. We stunk. <laughs> you know, two guitars and a drum. That was before they threw you out of the band. That's, no, this is the first... This is two <laughs> bands before that. Okay. This is the Sonics. The Sonics. And we go out to play, and before you play a wedding, like, you know, what's your song? You know, Beyond the Sea, <laughs> you know, I Can't Give You Anything But Love Bay. The, their song, you know, they're playing our song. Their song was Shout. I said, and now the, the, and the groom and bride and groom came out, and we played Shout, and everybody went nuts. It was like, I don't think there was any inference that it meant that they were going to be shouting at each other and arguing. Little did they know, you know. <laughs> but, it, it was, you know, the uh, gigs like that were just insane, you know. I just miss the music and the times of the 60s and the 70s. I, you're an old hippie at heart. I'm so old that when I started playing in a band, there were no Beatles yet. Really? They, they were new on the scene in when I was, I think, in 11th grade. We played, and we played a lot of oldies. Believe it or not, we were in 1962 and 63. <clears throat> oldies were like Dion and the Belmonts and, you know, songs like that, but they were two or three years old, you know? like I gotta tell you, I can top that. The first band I ever saw was a bunch of medieval monks doing Gregorian chants. That's how old I am. All right? But, uh, uh, you know, it was, it was... Well, music evolved in the 60s from something unchallenging in the early 50s. There was a number one hit in the early 50s. How much is that doggy in the window? Oh, I think it was and Patty Page. That was a... That was a you, wow. That was but a, that's, that's unchallenging. And rock and roll changed that. You know, and Bill Haley and the Comets was, was, was really the first rock, yeah, like rock it, around the clock. The, the top ten, like, was take a ring and send it round. You know, Perry Como's I mean, the top of the charts. You and know. it all changed. It all changed. And do you remember the movie that Rock Around the Clock was part of the soundtrack? I believe Blackboard Jungle. And movie theater owners are getting on the phone to each other. Hey, hey, these teenagers are dancing in the aisles. What's going on? Right, What's going right. on? Is this the devil? You know, Bill Haley and the Comets were a country band. They were like, I think it was Bill Haley and his Cowboys. Mm. And, they, and they changed, you know. It was weird, the transition, because Little Richard had Tutti Frutti, which nobody could handle. Right. And Pat Boone did a cover of Tutti <laughs> I know, I know, I know. With his white bucks I too. swear, I, we might have talked about this already. When I was a kid... I think it must have been fifth or sixth grade. My friend Ronnie Youngs had one of those consoles. His parents had the console with the radio, the TV, and the record player. And this guy, Frank Rosen, came over, and he had a 78. And he put on a 78 of Tutti Frutti. And he played it. And we thought it was something from Pluto. <laughs> we, we, you couldn't make the connection that it was supposed to be music. It was he's screaming and it was like primal, but it was wildly great. But you didn't know, you know, where do you plug this in in your in your childhood? <laughs> the guy whose house we were at. This is a total non sequitur. 
But at some point in fourth or fifth or sixth, it had to be early on. But it was one of those things where we know all the curse words. Yeah. We know them all. <laughs> and he actually, I, this was a real conversation. He said to me, hey, Jackie, I got a new curse word. <laughs> and I don't know whether he heard it from his parents or whatever. And I said, what? And he said, sex. <laughs> I swear this is a real conversation. I said, wow, Ronnie. What, what's it mean? He says. Hey, a new episode of Stand Up Memories every Wednesday. How exciting is that? It's starring me, Peter Bales, and right here, Jackie the Joke Man Martin. Please follow us on social media. Search it out. What is it? MySpace? MySpace? Your space? TikTok, Instagram, Facebook. Do da, do da. <laughs> <laughs>